0: Welcome
1: to Campfire Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. This week we had the distinct pleasure of welcoming a new friend to the show. Now it isn't too often that you come across someone with a PhD in chemical engineering that's spending their time assessing Fortiana through a sociological lens, but Chris Cogswell, the host of the Mad Scientist podcast, is just that. We had an amazing talk about the development and societal implications of folklore throughout history, the importance of recognizing the roles we play in that development, and the possible effects of modern folklore on the future. Chris is an infectiously gregarious guy. Talking with him was an absolute pleasure. Go and support him in everything he does. Link's in the description. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this fireside chat with Chris Cogswell. All right, Chris Cogswell, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super I'm super excited to have you on. Um, I've been listening to your show for a while, and I'm... Um, I have to say, like, right off the bat, I'm, I think your show really stands out because of... your. I think your approach to everything is, like, on a more academic level. And that might just be, like, because of your background and all that. But I, when you come from, like... When you're in this niche, you don't often... Because your show isn't a, a skeptic show. It's, it's not a skeptic's show, right? But it, it's not, like, a... It's not like a Bigfoot is definitely an ape in the woods show either.
0: Right. One thing that I wanted to do when I started the show was... Bring why I thought this was such a cool topic, even as somebody who has, like, an academic background and... You know what I mean? Like, this... Mm-hmm. this These topics don't... They're not just, you know, for, like, kooks and weirdos. You know? Yeah. And there's really deep history to a lot of these and really cool ideas, and I mean some of our best science and some of our best literature, some of our best poetry, some of our best art comes from these stories of crazy stuff happening. So when we talk about it, um, I think a lot of times people will, like you said, sort of simplify it where it's super dumb or it's super serious. And there's a lot of gray area between that, you know? So, I mean, the the full skeptics have it wrong. And I think the full believers often have it, have it wrong. And, um, you know I mean? There's a reason, like there's a reason that really smart people, philosophers, academics, um, and just general smart people every day talk about this stuff.
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. let's,
0: let's not dumb it down. Let's not water it down.
1: Agreed. And I think, I think the, um, the full skeptics have a, a tendency to throw the sociological baby out with the bathwater, right? Like they leave all that value just on the table. They, they tend to look at this stuff like, no, that's dumb. Don't even think about that. And then it's re- that- Yeah. It's, it's really easy to just sort of say, like you said,
0: this can't, you know, Oh, people's experiences aren't real. Cause we're bad at, seeing, you know, evidence or we're bad at doing things or whatever, and then, yeah, like, oh, great, okay, so we can just criminology out the window, right? Like, you know, like we we had this, I mean, that's part of the other thing with my show is a lot of these discussions we've had before, right? Like, Hume was arguing this exact point hundreds of years ago, and you know, wrote very profoundly on these very (laughs) topics, so there is, um, There is good reason to believe and good reason to doubt. And, you know, yeah, it's just it's it'd be too easy to just say that this is all dumb because there's no way.
1: (laughs) Right. Agreed. Uh, I mean, society has a very short memory with things like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I think that tends to go in cycles where we have to, like, go back and backtrack and go, remember this thing we talked about 80 years ago? (laughs) This is that, still a
0: thing. That's definitely the way it comes across. If you look, you know, again, we talk about the historicity of this uh, topic or these topics in general on our show all the time. And like you said, it's really it's really fascinating. I, I say sometimes on my show that it's f- so frustrating to me that the, the people that believe in, like, ancient alien stuff, they're kind of right in the idea that, like, Hey, look at all these patterns between the stories where we've been telling for to ourselves for generations and generations. The thing they get wrong is then saying like, well then all the stories must be real. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. It <laughs> doesn't, doesn't have to be the case, right? I mean, there's also yeah. the option that we pass down similar stories. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's a very interesting um it's a very interesting thing we see that again our stories are cyclical, our society our culture is cyclical and things that things that happened in the past, or ideas, motifs, or whatever, some of them seem to be more sticky, I guess, for us as a people. You know? Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, I think, that people just forget all the time. We're not that far off from being, you know, really, you know, slightly smarter than the average ape yep. um, living in a cave, you know? <laughs> we're, not, yeah. we're not that far off. So... It's always funny to me when people will argue, "Oh, but you know, that was a thousand years ago," and it's like a thousand years ago is nothing. Yeah, right? that's nothing in terms of um, yeah. of how our brains have changed or whatever. Like we've we haven't evolved at all for that. You know, yeah.
1: that's like eleven so. people ago.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not that it's not that far away. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, the the idea yeah. that these stories would continue and just sort of change a little bit with the telling. Yeah, like of course they would, you know. In yeah. in eleven generations from now, they'll be talking about how Batman, you know, was really an alien. Sure. <laughs> you know, Giorgio Suka is his great, 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 whatever. We'll yep. be on History Channel eight, the Ocho, talking about <laughs> how you know, oh my God, Batman must have been real because they had all this stuff about him. We look, yeah, what?
1: yeah. I, I always think of that quote that's been you know attributed to dozens of different thinkers um history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes yeah Uh, yeah yeah. because and i think those those aspects that you were talking about that are a little stickier i think the the more essential those aspects are to the human condition and the human condition in general i think the stickier they are Right. The more, like, universally experienced across the board, regardless of whether you're a civilization in, you know, in the European mainland or in South America, I think there are some things that a human being is just going to encounter because they're alive and they're a human being. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely. The the mechanisms by which we all experience the world.
1: Yeah basically the same, you
0: know? (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter to your brain if you grew up in, like, a temperate climate or an arid climate or whatever, what language you speak. Like, it doesn't really matter, it seems. What? Yeah, it's very interesting. We we actually, it's funny, before we got on here, I was talking about our next long series, which is going to be on folklore. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's so interesting for me, at least, is how much folklore... Like you say, it's just kind of common. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's always a great flood. There's always, a, you know, a male chief deity who's going around, you know, kind of banging whatever he can find, yep. <laughs> creating all these <laughs> other gods and goddesses. There's always the wife deity who is really annoyed yep. and so does, you know, um, gets her revenge. There's always... You know, these, these motifs always right. continue, right? There's always a jealous brother or, or yep. someone jealous who turns evil and then...
1: The put-upon
0: eldest son. Exactly, right? Yeah. There's always these motifs. And like you said, it's just sort of part of the human experience. And just like, you know, again, um, you know, my, my mom has gotten just deep into Korean soap operas. Deep nice. into them, okay. right? And my mom... My mom is a tiny Italian woman who grew up uh, in Italy and then moved to New York City. My mom has no connection to Korean culture at all. Yeah. But she loves these soap operas because she's like, this is just like it was in Italy, you know, minus like the Korea and, (laughs) you know, the kimchi (laughs) and the fact that they're eating, you know, rice cake and whatever. Like, "Eh, it's it's the same same thing. Right. My mother was just like this lady's mother in Seoul Um, because the human experience is just common. You know, it's, yeah. it is it is it is consistent, in Thing in general. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's what, when you see, like, cheesy bumpy bumper stickers about, like, remember, we have more in common than we have different. Right? Like, the, I mean, as cheesy as that is and overset as that is, like, it, it really is true. Oh, absolutely. Um, no, yeah, yeah, it totally
0: is. It's funny, actually. You mentioned cheesy bumper stickers. I actually have one on my PC that I was going to put on my car, but I decided I was too chicken to put it. And it says... <laughs> It says, "How am I driving? How does an engine work? How can a loving God create such uh, sorrow, <laughs> <laughs> or no, create such agony? It's agony. Nice it's even worse man. than sorrow." Yeah. Um, and I decided not to put it on my car because my car also has a little sticker for my podcast. Okay. <laughs> as well, well as astonishing legends. So I was like, "Yeah, I'll leave it off for
1: now. It's fine. No big deal." <laughs> <laughs> that, that might have been a safe. That's probably the safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Probably a good <laughs> call. So, with this, like, sort of looming big series on folklore, I'm, I'm curious what parameters you're putting on that as a subject, because that is a massive subject. The... <laughs> we, we have
0: put no parameters at all. Oh, man. <laughs> Originally, this was going to be a series, like with all of our episodes, or all of our series, we start off trying to do a simple topic, right? Like, you know, or not even a simple topic, but something. And then inevitably we find out that to really tell the story correctly, we need to start at the beginning of time. Yeah. Right. Like, (laughs) you know, it's inevitably you have to begin at like the dawn of human civilization. So originally this was actually going to be a series on the Sandman by Neil Gaiman. And the thing about the Sandman that I really love is that it has this idea of sort of a... Exactly like we just said, right? That these there are some stories. The old stories continue. They just morph yep. every generation, but they continue. and They stick around. And so, initially, we were going to talk about comparative folklore and folklore studies. So, how do uh, how do you kind of um, anthropologists and archaeologists and sociologists and, and whoever how do they folklorists how do they you know quantify and kind of put these stories into, into boxes to study them effectively? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, we also have to tell some folk stories. So let's read like the brothers Grimm and and Hans Christian Andersen and whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I'd kind of like to follow these down to their earliest days to now at the point where like I've read two different versions of the King Arthur mythos. I've read all of the Greek myths I can find, all (laughs) the Norse myths I can find. Now I'm getting into Celtic myths. So, yeah, it's it's really hard to put parameters on that, but really we're just sort of trying to find those um, we're trying to find those core stories or those core ideas that continue Mm -hmm. and my goal at the end of the series, I guess, would be to have one type of thought or one type of story that we kind of follow throughout you know, so um, one interesting one that has always fascinated me is like the Holy Grail This idea of a cup that can, or a cup or a chalice, some kind of container that holds a liquid in it that is so uh, monumentously powerful that it can, you know, raise the dead and heal the sick and whatever, and, or or give enlightenment or whatever it is. And that story, again, is like, it's in Norse mythology, in um, Mimir's Well, and in the mead of uh, knowledge that, that Odin steals from. I think it's Satunger, the 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 ice uh, the ice giant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's common in um, in Greek. It's obviously common in uh, in Christian mythology, and it kind of just continues. And even today, like in stories of alien abductions, people talk about like the aliens brought me up there and they fed me this like weird goo, and I don't know why but it made me smart.
1: Right. right? Like this, now, this idea. Now I don't have psoriasis anymore. Of, yeah.
0: Exactly, right. Whatever, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Right. My morgellons has been cured. Right. You know? Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> there's always sort of this, this idea of um, some kind of food, some kind of magical curing um, thing that can heal you. And then the container that it's in being important, it's a very common idea. And it's super interesting to follow it kind of through all those threads. So yeah, I'm thinking that one, I'm thinking about like King Arthur because that's just one I always liked when I was a kid. But yeah, it's yep. again, like I said, at the be- like I said before we got on the air, it's going to end up being like a 30 part series. <laughs> and by the end of it, we'll be getting, you know, emails from listeners like, please, no more British folklore. <laughs> Can't take it anymore. Talk about a cryptid for God's sake.
1: Oh, man. <clears throat> I, I think that's a that's an awesome idea, though, to go from, you know, to follow one mythos through time. Because I think a lot of a lot of what you know in cryptozoology, a lot of the ufology stuff, people. I think a lot of people fail to realize that we're seeing the creation of modern folklore, or the re- again the retelling
0: of old folklore.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is every era's folklore tends Absolutely. to be retelling, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's man, nothing makes it nothing makes a ufologist throw their. Indiana Jones hat on the ground faster <laughs> than calling it a mythology. Yeah, God, do they hate that? Yeah, it's it um it is interesting. Even urban legends are, or, you know, our modern folklore, are modern Absolutely. mythology. I mean, we we see so much of it, and it's. I mean, I I I think the again the Godfather of the the real uh very first podcast I ever listened to. Was um, was the Ricky Gervais show actually from like a billion years ago? Yeah, and then of course, astonishing legends, astonishing legends, you know, astonishing legends. They always say everything is connected, right? The Ricky Gervais show. It's funny they have a bit where they talk about how you know drawing like a. Um, you know, drawing like a like a penis on a wall, or like graffitiing like someone, you know, yeah, just like a ridiculous, know, gross thing or whatever. How today, that's you know, they wash it off, right? They're like, oh, this is terrible graffiti. Like, who would draw, you know, a, a three headed knob monster, right? Like, this is terrible. Yeah. Got to get rid of it. But one of the guys on the show is like, yeah, but you go to Pompeii, and they're like, wow, look at the detail on that one. It's crazy, yeah. right? You can almost <laughs> yeah. it's it's like it's screaming at you, right? Like, you know, um. It's just like timing, right? It's just, yeah. you know, um, so graffiti from a million years ago is considered art and, pre, you know, very important to keep together and whatever. And today we're washing it all away, right? We're like, this yeah. isn't important. We do the same thing with folklore, right? We think um, like comic books are, a, are, are another a great example of modern mythologies, of modern um, legendariums, right? This yep. kind of cohesive collection of thoughts and ideas that build up a world. All of that is just like we live in a we live in the golden age, in my opinion, of folklore. You know, Absolutely. because there's so much of it out there. It's so it's all so cool, and it's also interesting. Yeah. And yet again, we sort of are like, "Oh, comic books aren't important," so we just <laughs> get rid of them, right? Yeah. But that's what is you know those cultural touchstones, those kind of ideas, are what you know are what are going to be around in. Um, that's what are hopefully you know, our, our, I guess, our progeny, the people that come after us won't remember. No one's going to care who won the Senate or any of that yeah. junk, right? Yeah. What they will talk about, though, is these are the stories these people told, right? This, these are the kind of important cultural things that they, uh, they learned about, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're going to learn about the, you know, the war on drugs through, like, Daredevil comics in the 80s.
0: Ser- I mean, not honestly, though, right? I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, damn, dude, I can't name, like, a single, well, I guess I can name some Greek leaders because I just played through Assassin's Creed Odyssey, <laughs> but that's not really fair. Sure. Um, but, you know, like, I, most of my knowledge of, like, ancient history comes from how those myths fit together and kind of, you know, learning yep. about what they told us about the time period and everything else, right? I mean...
1: Yeah, the reflections so, yeah. of those societies through their myths.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: I'm, yeah. I'm convinced that the only people who can who can name Greek and Roman leaders are classics professors. They're the probably only who know.
0: <laughs> yeah, the prime mean, the problem is that they're all like you know, every Roman general is you know Augustus something or sure. you're right there. There's always like the same couple of names. Yeah. So, even as like somebody who plays a tremendous amount of Civilization Six. <laughs> or just civilization in general, mm-hmm. you know. I got like you know, yeah, you know, <laughs> Caesar, <Sure>. Uh <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Heracles, Like I don't know, there's not that many that I can name. Hannibal, I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. And again, a part of I think the a part of the interesting thing too today is that we, I think people in modern society again we think that we are somehow separated from like we we act like we have evolved so much from the times of like ancient greece and the greeks by the way thought this too the ancient greeks actually went through and, and and if you read earlier versions of their folklore earlier versions of their myths and then later versions they remove a lot of the things that they thought were like barbaric
1: yeah, right? they so, scrubbed it.
0: yeah, so earlier Greek myths, Zeus is again, just like, just having kids with everybody, right? He's like, yep. uh, you know, it's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and in later myths, though, they were like, no, we can't have a god who's just like going around having kids with everybody, right? Like a yeah. crazy horn dog. We can't have that be the leader of our gods. So they got rid of some of that from Zeus's personification. Yeah. Um, even today we have the same kind of idea. We think I think that you know, we are we are too evolved as a society to allow our mythology to affect serious things like politics. Yeah. Or serious things like the economy, right? And yeah. what we're finding is like we're not really that you know, we're not that <laughs> much more advanced, right? Like yeah. if um there's a good you know, there's a most of what we think about these things are mythol you know, are mythologies anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was I was actually talking with my I was talking with my father-in-law about this, because, you know, we have basically like completely diametrically opposed political and economic views. But there's always some things we come to agree on. And one of the things we both agreed on this time was that neither of us know a damn thing about economics and yeah. it just looks like magic, right? We're <laughs> yeah. like, we don't understand it. I don't even know if I care to understand it at this point in my life, right? Like, I'm, like, I'm 33. Like, I don't care about yeah. economics anymore. Just whatever. It'll be a mystery until I die. Who cares? Yeah. Um, but all the things that I thought I knew about economics are, like, not... Pro- <laughs> they're they're yeah. things I picked up from, like, you know, listening to NPR or sure. reading Freakonomics or, like um, you know, watching, like, CNBC or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, some of that stuff, like you, even very smart people, even people who are kind of trying to learn as much as they can about a, about a subject, you get sucked into mythologies. You may not realize you do, but you know, me, you know, I don't know. Thinking of like an invisible hand of the market, and like Apollo is the one who decides what the prices are. Yeah, it's not that different. It's true. <laughs> you know, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> it's so, really
1: not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the invisible hand of the market is basically just the collective unconscious.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Right. right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it all just um, anyways. I don't know where that story was supposed to go. That's OK. Uh, but, I think, but listen to my show. You'll get a lot more <laughs> tangents like this. It's great.
1: <laughs> I think your position on economics is pretty widely held, too. I think most Besides, people feel again, that way about it besides economics professors yeah, right exactly. who all
0: pretend who again that's one of the funniest things um when we did our series on economics one of the things we found was that like economists have they're just terrible at predicting things yeah and economists they want they want economics to be a science so bad yep you know they're like no this is like physics we can predict <laughs> stuff and it's <laughs> yeah. like if you could predict stuff you'd all be rich yeah but you're not. You're all teaching at university right now, so clearly yeah. it's not all. It's not all that predictive, right? Yep. Um, yeah, kind of a. <laughs> I don't know. Take that. Take that, economics or economic,
1: <laughs> economists. I think. Um. I think another thing about economists that that bothers me at least is that people like to think of it as a an apolitical. Yes. Arena, right? And it is. No, It's no less political. I mean, it's the same of how we like to think about the Supreme Court, right? Like it's supposed to be without politics, but it is 100% purely guided by politics at this point.
0: Same with science, of course. You know, people think science is... And I mean, that's really kind of... We touch on this on the show all the time. People want science, uh, you know, economics. They want everything to be... People somehow want to separate politics, which is by definition the sort of studying and use of human um, groupings right yep. and human thought to make decisions and good policy they want to somehow separate that from every aspect of human policy yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> um, I saw a thing on Facebook which so I, I I decided I was I had enough of Twitter I was like I gotta get off of this thing it just makes me upset right like I'm mm-hmm. not having a lot of fun on here anymore. So I left it. And so, like, I occasionally still will check. Like, I'll check Facebook and Twitter like once every week. And um, just to kind of pop in and be like, oh, is, you know, world still on fire? Yep. Okay. I'm <laughs> turning oh, it back off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going back to watch Netflix or whatever. But one of the things I saw that it was just, I was, <laughs> drove me crazy was I saw a Facebook post about um, how Maine's winners are now significantly warmer than they ever were before. And I live in New England, so yeah. our winters have totally changed. Our autumns have changed. Like, there's so much alterations happening because of, like, climate change. And somebody mentioned, like, yeah, get used to it because of climate change. And everyone in the – like, all these people were like, can we leave politics out of this? <laughs> it's like, that's not politics. It's just science. Right? Like, this post is saying – hey, it's getting warmer, our winters are getting shorter, here's the data that shows this. And someone is like, hey,
1: that's yeah, that's,
0: yeah, that's because of this scientific thing. And people are like, yeah. oh, now it's political all of yeah. a sudden. Yeah. You know, it'd, it'd be like saying, you know, I don't know, Isaac Newton saying, hey, every time I throw this apple up, it falls back down. And someone in the comments being like, oh, it's gravity. Oh, now we're political.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, it would be like that if that happened after 20 years uh, after, yeah. you know, two parties chose sides on gravity.
0: Right. Big, uh, I don't know, big. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
1: don't even know who would go be against gravity. But yeah, anyways, it's baffling to me. Honestly, I I spent a lot of years being really like going deep on politics. Like it was a thing that really mattered to me for a long time and about I don't know six years ago I just like I was like I'm I'm good I'm this is enough it's still
0: I I it still interests me but at this point it sort of interests me in the same way that like I like watching the real housewives on Bravo sure that's like one of my guilty pleasures I guess yeah you know so um it's so shameful I mentioned it on a podcast (laughs) um but you know like i watch those shows and i know they're trash and i know they're bad for me probably they're probably eroding my brain but whatever i i enjoy them i kind of watch politics the same way now like i feel like my thoughts on anything that someone would consider political in any way those are being shaped by like you know, I, I like to think they're being shaped by things that are, you know, good information and whatever. But really, again, probably a lot of it is coming from stuff I can't and I'm not you i am not i am not recognizing right, you know, sure. folklore and whatever and myths and yeah. the people I'm, I'm with and whatever. Um, so I've basically just sort of decided, like, you know, listen, I only, you know, I know as much as I know, there's some areas that I have a sphere of knowledge that is strong. Mm-hmm. Other areas where I don't. Yeah. I'm just gonna have to accept that I don't know as much about that stuff and listen to people who do or should yeah, and um you know other than that, I'm gonna watch it like it's you know a real housewife ripping the wig off another one, sure right <laughs> so, you yeah. know, so it's kind of like I'm watching it for the uh the theater more than anything else it's yeah, I don't know, but yeah it's I, it's it's
1: just fascinating at this point i I pretty much only enjoy enjoy the view from thirty thousand feet, yeah right? like. <laughs> all the little details and minutiae of it that I used to just like swim in. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I can't handle any of that anymore. That's
0: yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it gets to be too much. It gets to be too much. And again, it's, I, I I actually, I make this point to my co-host a lot. And even in the show, I hinted this too, but I, I really actually want to do an episode on, on sort of on if access to information has actually been good for us or not. Yeah. as like a as like a species you yeah. know as people as like you know as as thinking beings um you know i don't need to like know i mean i don't need to know a lot of stuff most stuff on the news i don't need to know yeah. you know and so i wonder sometimes again we're not that far removed from being sort of hunter gatherers living in small groups right yeah. 30 people at most maybe in a group it sort of seems like that's how our brains are wired, right? We're, we're wired for these small groups. And anything more than that seems like it's kind of not, maybe not bad. It's it Clearly, like, access to information is a good thing in many ways. Sure. But I wonder, too, if, if we're almost, you know, it's sort of like um, processed foods, right? Mechanizing yeah. farming and everything else has led to, I mean, just tremendous increases in quality of life and living and everything else. Yeah. But it's also led to stuff like, you know, high fructose corn syrup and, like, right. super sugary stuff that's bad for us and everything else.
1: Yeah, there's a I point of diminishing returns.
0: Exactly. And, yeah. a, and a point, I think, where it legitimately starts to cause problems, you yes. know? This is usually the part in the conversation where Marie or my wife or whoever says, okay, get back in the cabin, Ted. Because I'm, like, talking like the Unabomber, <laughs> sure. right? But honestly, I, I always think it's very interesting. I mean... Has has access to like political information. Has access to sensationalized news been good for us? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really wondered about that. I don't know.
1: I think we can definitely say no on that last one.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think since yeah. you, clearly that that has not been good. Um, but you know, yeah, it's 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 weird. You see aspects of it in a lot of different areas. Um, one I hadn't really thought of until a recent. Episode research we were doing was on polling, on like political polling. Um, there's some, there's a school of thought that thinks that political, like up up to the minute political polling, where a politician or whoever can make decisions based on what the real time results are of the group, yeah, is actually worse. Yeah, because they're no longer leaving, they're no longer leading, they're just listening to the the mob. You know yeah. exactly. So that's kind of an interesting aspect of this, but anyways, right? Yeah, that's who like, knows?
1: That's like one of the one of it's supposed to be one of the positives to representative democracy is that you you take the time to think about who you exactly. want to represent you, and you trust that they'll represent you, regardless of how you you know because people change from Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday on ideas they go back and forth, but the idea is that. They spend all this time considering these candidates, and it's a more thought-out decision, right? Yes. Than they're going to have day to day. Yeah, but I think and instead, yeah, <laughs> I think you made a I think you made a good point about the like we haven't changed that much from when we were hunter gatherers, right? We're essentially running on the same hardware that yeah. they were, right? There's the whole concept of like Dunbar's number, where you can you you know you can technically only maintain i think it's like 150 relationships of Something varying like degrees yeah. right and which makes sense right cuz if we spent far more time as a species in small groups than we have in large groups
0: yeah, man, I'm telling you, I'm getting the axe. I'm going to start building the cabin right yeah. now. I've decided yeah. to move, I'm going to the woods. It's too late. <laughs> yeah. But No, it's it's such an interesting thing. And, again, part of what – I mean, this is the kind of stuff we talk about on the show, you know, are these ideas of sort of – because this is science, but it's more philosophy of science, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's the stuff we really like. That's the stuff we dig into for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm a social sciences guy. so Sweet. Um, yeah. That's, that's – pretty much my focus on on all of this whether we're you know whether the show on the show we're covering a cryptid or uh, an alien abduction i'm like constantly running through my head like this is a you know this is like modern folklore this is a reflection of i i like those like real high strangeness type encounters because i think those are the most direct reflection of the psyche of the experiencer
0: they're, the, they're the, also, frankly, the, the most difficult to sort of explain away. Yes. Right? I mean, if at this point, if somebody claims, you know, hey, I got abducted by some gray dudes and they had eyes and they were, you know, three to four feet tall. Yeah. They took me up there. They scraped. You know, they, they did some tests and then they put me back. All right. Well, that could be from like a TV show. Right. Sure. That, that could be made up. It, there's all kinds of different things. hundred TV shows. Um, yeah. yeah. At this point. But if somebody is like, "Hey, listen, man, a sludge monster got me," <laughs> they yeah. took me on their space chariot. Yep. We ate loads, you know. We, they just like we just ate and ate and ate this weird alien fruit, and then there was a humming noise. You know, it, the the weirder it gets, the more interesting, right? The the yes. more unique, the more um, compelling, I think, really, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's part of. <clears throat> It's part of a thing we talk about a lot on sort of the the denuding or di- diluting, I guess, of um, paranormal claims in the modern day. You know, you think about a hundred years ago people were claiming or not 100 years ago now god i'm old 200 years ago i'm not i'm not 100 years old but still it's like 200 years ago you have to uh, be pretty were, old
1: for a centuries yeah, difference.
0: i look great um <laughs> yeah, it's all you, do. you know you know 100 years ago 200 years ago people were still claiming to see full body apparitions when they saw a ghost yes today ghost stories are like Man, I had my EVP meter, and it said that there was a coldness in the room.
1: Yeah,
0: that is so. That sucks. Yeah, that sucks so bad.
1: Yeah, like, it's how so did watered ghosts, down.
0: Yeah, how did how did ghosts? This you know, evidence of the afterlife. How did it just become like a beeping on a cheap piece of crap you bought from Amazon? That's terrible. Yeah, you know, we've um, we've gone too far down the science side, right? I mean, yeah. there's some things there's great reason to think even as a scientist as a philosopher scientist very very smart people have argued there's good reason to think that science can't explain everything can't explain every aspect of human emotion and that's fine of human experience it's totally cool so stop trying to like fit this cool thing into a very small hole yeah just to make some guy on the internet who's going to call you a dummy anyways happy?
1: Yeah. Who cares with I've... that? You know that guy's. Yeah.
0: Forget it, dude. Bring me back cool ghosts.
1: That's why my favorite my favorite people who are out there, you know, doing paranormal investigations are going like full theosophy with the going <laughs> yeah. in going in with um, with ouija boards and tarot cards and doing seances and you know they're leaving the the barely screwed on flashlights at home.
0: Heck yeah, yeah, you know, looking for mean? goblins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's super cool. I, I mean, leaving
1: offerings and yeah. <clears throat> well, that's
0: that's one of the funniest things, right? I think people are always very surprised to hear you know, my my initial interest in all this stuff, uh like the weird side of things or whatever, was always philosophical, I guess. Sure. And you know, my favorite stuff to read about really is uh, you know, history of occultism practices grimoires whatever like all of that is fascinating to me yep um and I think a lot of the times people are like oh but you know you, you you don't think any of that is real and it's like well what is you know like what is yeah. real like I don't yeah I don't know it's not as it's not as cut and dry as people want it to be like it almost reminds me of like in middle school when people were like well you like rap music or you like rock music so we can't yeah. be friends like, yeah what are you talking about man yeah. like just chill who cares
1: so just, silly. No,
0: the world is weird. Like let's just enjoy the weirdness.
1: Yeah. I think people especially on the the paranormal side and ufologists. Well, we'll just go the big 3. Cryptozoologists <laughs> are the same way. They're I think they're trying so desperately to be taken seriously by mainstream science that they're losing sight of the fact that the the real legitimacy here is the sociology behind all this.
0: Yes, the real you know exactly. Mean? The legitimacy of these ideas I mean comes from again like you're saying the sociology the 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 philosophy the yes. um the folklore the ideas like I mean again you know the <laughs> I mean I don't know the nobody Takes a skeptic seriously, who would read a love poem and say, "Well, this is just fooey because it doesn't describe love as this, you know, firing of neurons." Right. That guy's a nerd.
1: Her hair wasn't really the ocean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That guy <laughs> should be beat up. Exactly. Right? Like, don't listen
0: to that skeptic. That sucks. Yeah. What? 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 Um. What they failed to understand, and this is something that that I tried to sort of, and I always try to say, and then, of course, the. You know the ufologists or whoever get very upset. Is like you're saying exactly. This isn't science. It's not science. Stop trying to make it science. It's never going to be science, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be science. Um, You know, you're you're never going to get. You know, as much as I love my fellow skeptics, and I and I do consider myself to be a skeptic in some ways. As much as I love them. You're never going to convince the guys on, you know, Metabunk or the Rational Wiki or whatever. You're never going to convince them that you had, like, a freaked out, weird experience one time that changed your life. No. They're going to, you know, at most you're going to get them to accept, yeah, you changed your life because you had a weird experience. But they're not going to care about the reality. I honestly don't really even care about the reality of it either. Um, But, you know, like, you're not going to convince those people that there's anything... That experience means anything. Right. Right. That's not not, exactly because that's not that's not what they that's not what they value, (laughs) you know. So you're just kind of comparing apples and oranges. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I think if you just sort of let it be its own thing, you'd you'd probably do a lot better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can argue all day with someone what's more important to what has been more important to the development of mankind? Is it math or philosophy? But there isn't an answer to that question. You know what I mean? There just Absolutely. isn't. Absolutely.
0: I mean, especially, you know... Yeah. No, it, there isn't. And it's, again, all kind of part of how you look at the world and, and again, what you personally value, what you personally yeah. what you accept need. as evidence, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah. part of the... Part of the other challenge there with this idea of kind of um, making the paranormal or making these ideas fit into a scientific box is, again, it, it doesn't make – it doesn't – like, it, it's sort of like uh, – oh, God, I heard this joke some, some – oh, it was something like um, Christian Rock isn't making – christianity better it's just making rock and roll worse yes right sort of the same thing here right like scientific ufology scientific ghost hunting whatever it's not making it's not making what you want better it's just making science look it's just you know yeah it's just diminishing both and yep um especially when it comes to things like you know i mean i've spent a lot of time probably more time than i should have in the world of ufology Sure, and um, you know, again, it's it's sort of this. Every they' they are desperate for scientific validity. They're desperate for it. Yes, you know, and um, even if they get scientific validity, it isn't going to mean anything.
1: Yeah, no, it, yeah. nothing drives me crazy. Fat, nothing loses my interest faster than two ufologists sitting down talking about propulsion systems for forty five minutes no thank you oh my god it's so it's so it's just I, missing I, I, the point so entirely arguing the
0: minutia of you know well what kind of rocket what kind of what kind of system would this alien ship that we've never seen we have no photos of we have no evidence for <laughs> well what kind of ship would it you know what, what kind of propulsion system what kind of energy system would it utilize and then having two like you know serious scientists yeah. argue about it
1: ugh
0: Insanity, right? Yeah. It's you know, it's you know what? <laughs> Again, from the um, you know, from from the office when, uh, when uh, Dwight is like, you know, oh, you'll get a shroot buck, and Stanley's like, well, how many Stanley nickels to a shroot buck? <laughs> I don't know what's the what's the exchange rate? I don't know what's the exchange rate? Unicorns, leprechauns, right? Like, yeah, it's just, exactly. It's, it's all made up. Who yeah. cares?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. I mean.
0: Yeah, it's just it is it is frustrating. It's it's fascinating though at the same time, and that's the other thing too. I mean, the one thing we always like to come back to on all of this is that these are real people making yeah. these claims. These are real people having these experiences. You know, um, a lot of times these are real people like being harmed yeah. by you know a ufologist doing hypnosis sessions in their garage or you know yeah. um, whatever kind of selling them um, you know healing chakra stuff and whatever I mean it's fine of course like you should be allowed to believe whatever you want you should be able to spend your money however you want like all that is definitely true but at the same time um, you know you should I think if you are somebody who is going to tell other people things in any kind of public setting you have a responsibility to try to get it as right as you can yeah you know that's just and basic think, ethics. Exactly. And I think yeah. a lot of a lot of the time what you kinda come down to is, you know, there's really there's good reasons to think some of this stuff is true. There's good reasons to think it's interesting. There's there's ways to in there's ways to interact with these subjects without having to become a full blown, you know, believer in sure. in wacky stuff. And um and it's worthwhile, I think, still, too, because, again, like all folklore, it tells us about the society, about the time, about the people that are living now. Right. It's a, it's a yeah. view, like you said earlier, into their psyche, into their, you know, into their value systems, you know, their beliefs and their morals and their um, dreams and aspirations. So, yep. you know, it's it's so fascinating. And, you know, it doesn't have to be real to be worthwhile.
1: Agreed. I think that's yeah that might be the overarching point of this entire conversation i i think so <laughs> that's
0: kind of the overarching point of my uh my that's my oeuvre my, yeah. <laughs> the entire everything i've ever produced yeah. probably yep yeah
1: yeah i think um i think that particularly in ufology and cryptozoology they've had a long rough history of overlooking the the experiencer of not paying them nearly enough mind
0: yeah, no, you're you're definitely not wrong. Um, you know, one of the most interesting things that uh, you can read about when it comes to early ufology, especially. Cryptozoology is something that I've, I've always found fascinating. But honestly, since I haven't really spent a whole lot of time with it, I should get back into it. I have a lot of books that I need to read. Um, yeah. But uh, with ufology... One of the interesting ideas that kind of percolates up through the the history of the subject is that, you know, looking at a particular case set, if if, if one researcher gathers a lot of data in a lot of different cases, sometimes the most interesting thing you can find out from that data set is what that researcher believed. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's kind of an observer effect and we see that a lot with all of these sorts of subjects and again it's sort of something that sociology has tackled right and knows how to how to correct for in gathering data of course these subjects don't don't apply those same rigorous standards so there's there's no controls for those sorts of things Mm -hmm. um and on top of that besides just the observers themselves or the people taking in the data kind of mucking um not really, they're not doing it on purpose, of course, right? But just adding their own lens to the data, or to these stories. You also see regional variations, you see all kinds of interesting things. Um, and of course again, at the core of it, is still this person who is left frightened, or you know, changed, or whatever, and the people around them that also get affected by this. So, they definitely do tend to, um, Especially today with Ufology, where it is moving more towards sort of a military bend. Yes. Right? I mean, I think everyone at the top of Ufology right now is super stoked that maybe the U.S. government will give them money to hunt for UFOs.
1: Yeah. That's not going to happen. No. But they're very excited that it might. Um, If the U.S. government ever decided to do that, they'd hire their own people. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It's like...
0: It, it's obvious when you say it mm-hmm. and boy are they going to be really upset when it yeah. happens. they are going to be so bummed. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, oh god, anyways. I think, they, um, sorry, go they, ahead. Yeah, no, 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 so especially with the military focus of all this, one of the things a lot of these groups have done to try to stick to that military focus is they're like, well, we won't accept any other reports, but those from military personnel. Yeah. You know, um, that, like, sucks. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, that's so, you know, that gets rid of, like, 99.999% of all cases, of all experiences. Yep. Um, that seems like a stupid filter to apply to this thing, you know? Um, And then, of course, when they find out that, hey, it, it turns out that a lot of these are just misidentified uh, military aircraft, yeah, it's like well, yeah, that's the filter you apply to this thing, right? You, exactly. you basically said, "I only want military reports."
1: Because you're gonna get military answers, you know. Yeah, um, it's um. I think yeah. that is a direct consequence of what you hear in almost every every podcast, every report about these experiences. If they involve an authority figure as a as a experiencer, they people just lean into this guy was a cop or this guy was air force. Yeah. So he has the trained eye or he, you know, he's yeah. trained to be observant and they just lean into that. Yeah. So there's some, in my opinion, false legitimacy added to the top of these experiences just based on their background.
0: Well, it's a, it's a it is a, it is a logical fallacy, right? It's yeah. um, appeal to authority. So of course yeah. that's, that's hundred percent, um, what they're doing. On top of that, too, the thing they never really mention is, you know, oh, this guy was a cop. So you're telling me that this cop in Boise, yeah, was trained to identify aircraft for some reason, going at hyper speeds at night. They, they were trained for that. Like, no, they weren't. Of course, they weren't. They're as they're as valuable a witness as anybody else who's untrained. In seeing objects in the sky, right, or even pilots, right. I mean, you are trained for the ordinary. These events are, by definition, out of the ordinary, right? So yeah. you're not trained for this. You don't know how you'll react. And again, um, it always comes back. It always comes down to um, bias, right? It, it it always comes down to bias. So. Mm-hmm. It's funny when when you look through the um, you know the biggest set of UFO experience or cases out there are from MUFON. Yeah. The Mutual UFO Network. Not worth joining, don't waste your time people. <laughs> <Please>. yep, <agreed. laughs> um you know, if you look in their case files, which again, they're they're not really open to sharing that often, but if you look in their case files, one thing you'll notice is the variation that happens in the regions, right? So one of the fascinating things is that hey, It seems like the people who most often report UFO sightings are older white people. Yeah. That seems weird, right? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Why is that happening? Well, it turns out that the people who are investigating these cases tend to be older white people. There's nothing wrong with older white people, right? Some of my my best family members are older white people. (laughs) I love them very much. Um, I'm an older white person. There's no problem with that, of course. But it introduces bias into the reporting. So uh, people who are maybe, you know, from another racial background, another ethnic background, another age group, whatever, are taken less seriously. They are less likely to report to an organization That appears to be a group of people who maybe they don't feel comfortable telling this scary and personal experience to, right? Um, All these other things. You know, another kind of famous version of this that I love is there are some states of MUFON investigators where the only kind of cases they want to hear about are abductions, right? Or sightings of, of beings. And there are other states where the person doing the investigations is like, Anytime someone mentions that they've seen an alien, I know they're full of crap, so I ignored them. Yeah. Right? That it's also different. happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, it it, it, is, it is biases that help to kind of spread these things. And then, of course, um, those are kind of the stories. So suddenly now, someone looking from the outside who thinks, well, this organization must be doing a good job. Maybe they'll say, well, hey, it, it looks like aliens only want to talk to older white people, right? Yep. The aliens only want to talk to people with an AARP card. This is crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? No, that's not what it is. The data is flawed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot just, of the
1: people running these don't have the the background to recognize things like that. You, well, like, you know what I mean? Again,
0: like, like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so first off again, right? I don't think you need science to run a UFO organization. Right. You don't need science to take down these stories and and learn from them and, and invest, you know, not investigate them, but kind of, you know, compare them and, and learn from them yeah. and see patterns and whatever. You don't, to understand them. Exactly. You don't necessarily yeah. need science to do that. But if you're going to pretend to be a scientific organization, if you're going to try to apply the rules of science learn them then then that's the you know you've chosen to play that ball game now right it's not my fault if i call you out um because you're not doing it right you know
1: yeah absolutely yeah
0: yeah they they don't have the training they don't have the background expertise they don't have the controls in place and i mean again an investigation of this kind would take a tremendous amount of effort you know um like we spend you know, like people get, you know, million dollar grants just to study, um, you know, bird populations in a single forest, right? Yeah. Um, how the heck would you ever expect a group that mostly runs off of, again, the social security checks of retirees? Yep. How would you expect them to ever investigate? a potential alien invasion of right. the earth. <laughs> yeah. not, you know, you don't, you don't think about, um, I don't know. That's not who I picture. Um, I think about like Will Smith and in independence day. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I
1: don't know. <laughs> or at least Jeff Goldblum and in independence. <laughs> at, least, day. at
0: least Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. At least get Goldblum involved.
1: Exactly. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. That's a great point because the resources just aren't there and they probably aren't ever going to be there to for this like global initiative, right? No. It's that's not that's probably not a thing that we'll ever see. I mean, but, it's funny. Go, ahead, sorry, go ahead. No, I I just think it goes back to the fact that they're going about it all wrong. Yes. That they're yes. they're expecting too much and offering too little. They're not
0: working with the data they can actually collect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're not generally throwing they, it away. Yeah, well yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are um you know, it's sort of like uh I sometimes think about it like those games where you try to guess the amount of M&Ms in a in a glass jar. Yes. Right? And you know, the way that Mufon is doing it is they're trying to like calculate the missing space between each M&M, right? And it's like yeah. idiot, you could just count the number of M&Ms. Right, you know, like there's a simple solution here. Yeah, um, there's ways to do this, you know, and, and it's it's a bad analogy, man. That's a garbage analogy, but whatever, <laughs> it's fine. I'm a podcaster; I get paid in garbage analogies. That's right. Um, that's my bread and butter. <laughs> but like, really, yeah, they're I don't know. And it, it's no, it an makes interesting sense though thing.
1: they're they're missing the most important and the easiest way to understand these cases, right? And they're yes. they're focusing on again, the mythology that's been created around it instead of the source of the mythology.
0: Yeah, and and, and it's just a... Um, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a really interesting thing, because one I think of the most unfortunate things about the kind of ancient alienization of ufology, I guess is what I'll call it, is... Um, there, like, aren't very many interesting, interesting cases anymore. You know? There there have not been, like... There has not been a good abduction story. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there, there that's, that's maybe not fair. There have been some. But, you know, most of the time, what you're hearing about are things like, you know... You go on Reddit, or you go on Twitter, or whatever, and uh, somebody's got a, you know... Oh, my God, look, this looks like a triangle. And then a week later, someone's like... Well, that was an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you know, that yep. was a that was a those are planets or whatever, right? It's, yeah, that's most of what's happening. Yeah, inevitable debunking that happens with just lights in the sky. Um, you know, yeah. so yeah, it is interesting. I I hope that the I don't know. It sort of reminds me of again. You read these Greek myths or these myths from civilizations as they start to sort of realize that hey. Some of these like don't make a lot of sense. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really like. I don't know. I don't really know if Apollo is driving a chariot across the sky. Like we've we have good telescopes now. Right. But, like we can see there's no
1: chariot there. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Um, like we have chariots kid, and none of them go in the sky. Well, you like, know,
0: yeah. They, they start to <laughs> rationalize them. Right. They start to they start to diminish them and they start to get water down over time. And that's really yeah. what we see happening with ufology. And instead, the kind of energy of this mythology is being kind of pushed into weird places, you know, and not and not good places, in my opinion, you know, conspiracy theories and whatever and and this kind of crazy stuff there. So I think, you know, like with all mythologies, we're probably going through a period here where um, where things are maybe starting to change and it's going to be interesting. But, you know, I'm hopeful that in um i don't know in a thousand years there'll be books about you know the the great legend of bob lazar or whatever yeah right this man this man who stole holy fire from yeah. uh mount uh, shasta exactly <laughs> I mean, like you know it basically prometheus right so yeah. it's it's going to you know that's just again the way that these stories go and um and yeah it's it's interesting i don't know we live again we live i think in a golden age of uh of, of just uncommonly un- numerous and I think good folklore yeah. being generated all the time and that's inevitably going to cause problems because again people don't know what to believe about anything <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see what happens
1: absolutely dude this has been a fantastic talk I'm, oh, I had I'm a great so time. Excited. yeah me too I, man I'll love to come back anytime you just tell me when absolutely anytime anytime um before we go, can you um, let the audience know where to find you, what um, what you have coming up that they should look forward to? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so our next season will begin in February, which is gonna be very exciting I hope. Um, we are the Mad Scientist podcast. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast uh, listening devices and uh, you know players the Um You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I have a TikTok where I have like two videos of me with the cat face filter on. So, very, very exciting stuff happening over there.
1: Get over and, there um, for sure.
0: <laughs> and yeah, always you can send us an email at the mad scientist podcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, uh, Jordan, it was a pleasure. And uh, I really look forward to talking again.
1: Absolutely. Same here, man. Thank you so cool. much. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly.
0: If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange
1: and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan, I'm Jordan, and remember campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.